the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome to Inside the Jets here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel with Ethan Greenberg, who I was uh, I was awaiting your name, but I'm going to introduce you. <laughs> Thank and, you. And at Buster Screen, batting leadoff. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Bus. Appreciate you having me. Bus, how was your Christmas? Had a great Christmas. I uh, went to D.C. and was able to make it back for this great show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you have a young daughter. What's I her do. name? And how, uh, and how old is she now? Grace Elizabeth Screen is five years old. Grace Elizabeth Screen is five years old, and you got her a special gift this Christmas. Yes, I got her a teacup, teacup Yorkie. Uh, and one and a half pounds. One and a half one pounds. And, and what do you think about that? I love the dog. I never really liked dogs before, but I do love this little dog. And is Grace, uh, is she uh, becoming attached to the dog in the short time she's had him? Yeah, she's definitely attached. She didn't play with any of her toys. She played with the dog the whole time. So that was a good part. But the dog did have diarrhea. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on, Buster. We're starting off here on Inside the Jets. Our player guest segment is presented by m Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Buster, can you believe it? Uh, five and ten, one game to go. The season goes fast, doesn't it? Yeah, the season definitely went by fast, but I can tell you, even though we are 5-10, and 10, I enjoyed the season and building with the team. What about this season, you just talked about it, not the results that you wanted, but what about this season did you enjoy? And from your perspective, what's your favorite memory from the season, whether it be on game day or something behind the scenes? I think my favorite memory from this year would be just guys dancing in practice, always having fun, just being out there as a team. Um, I forgot the rest of the question. Look, just what, what made this year different? Because you talked about it 5 and 10, but it seems to me that you're having fun, the defense is having fun, you're sticking together. What about this team, about this season, is different from, let's say, in years past? Well, this year I can tell everybody wants, you know, to prove themselves. We've got a younger team, guys want to prove themselves, and we actually, you know, have fun as a team trying to win these games. And, yeah, we're 5 and 10, but every single game we've been in has been a competitive game. It's been right there in there to the fourth quarter. So, you know, once we figure out how to win in the fourth quarter, we're going to be, you know, a great team. Inside the Jets is supported by Selective Insurance. Response is everything. Eric Allen, Ethan Greenberg, and Jets cornerback Buster Screen here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park. Buster, what's been different about your game, your third season with the Jets? I think this is your best. Yeah, I think it's my best season, too. Uh, I would like to give a lot of credit to my coaches. Uh, Denard Wilson's taught me a lot since he's been here. I've been able to play faster, more instinctive, uh, not having to think before the play. So a lot of times I line up, I already know what's going to come. So I give him a lot of credit for the way I've been playing lately. What about Coach Wilson do you like in particular? And something that you mentioned last week is this season you're even reading the keys from the offensive lineman. What is the difference in your preparation from this year to, let's say, last year the year before that? One thing about Coach Wilson, he's going to stay on you regardless how well you're playing, how bad you're playing. He doesn't care. He's going to stay on you. And uh, I can tell he competes with himself and with the coaches amongst them. Who's going to get there first in the morning? Little things like that, it, it, it trickles down on your secondary. So 
just his his work habits and things like that have helped us out in the room. Buster, you know what Morris Claymore told me? He said, uh, Coach Wilson, Coach D, Denard Wilson, it's all about tough love with him. Oh, it's definitely tough love. Yeah. You go in there, you make a bad play, you have to take the constructive criticism because at the end of the day, he is right. He's going to get his point across. So I think us all in the room, we might get in our feelings sometimes when he gets on us, but it's all productive criticism. What have you been able to read differently and diagnose differently at this point in your career than maybe you struggled with earlier in your career? I would say offensive linemen because in our defense, the nickel's kind of like a corner. Right. And you, you can tell if the offense is going to pass or run the ball just by looking at the tackle. If the tackle's down in the ground hard, then it's going to be a run. If he's light, then it's going to be a pass. So just seeing that one thing, that helps me out a lot, just knowing what to expect. You know, it's often in the NFL that we talk about perfecting your craft. And I've noticed at practice I'm out there, you know, 30 minutes every day while stretch is going on in special teams. And you, Coach Denard Wilson, and Morris Claiborne are always off to the side working on something. What are you working on? And how meticulous and how much of a perfectionist are you three? Well, Coach D always pulls us to the side. and We always work in technique. I mean, that's first. You can be as athletic as you want to be. But we always go over technique, and then we'll go over tendencies from the receivers in the game. So just hearing those things all throughout the week, once we get in the game, we know what to expect, and we remember those technique steps once we get in the game. I think you have one of the most difficult positions on the Jets because in base, you're playing outside the numbers. But all of a sudden, sub-packages, when you guys are loading up defensive backs on the field, there you are switching on the inside. Um, Now, I know it's become familiar with you later in your career, but just how difficult is that to do? It's definitely different. When you're playing nickel, you got quicker passes, and they usually go after the nickel on third down, so the nickel's not holding up. The defense will not get off the field. And when I'm playing corner, it's a bigger receiver. You got more time to react to the ball. I, I think playing corner is easier. It, because you, <laughs> so, can get, you can get your hands on the guy right at the line, right? Right. You can get your hands there. It takes long for the ball to get out there. And when you're at nickel, if you don't rerun and one of them pulling guards get to you before you rerun, you get smashed. So <laughs> it, it's two different worlds, but I enjoy playing both. What's the biggest challenge of playing nickel that maybe when you're watching TV you don't really see? When you play nickel, you have to have good eyes because those are where the quicker receivers are. At. Right. So if you lose your eyes, if you look back at the quarterback and not have your eyes on a receiver, that's when – Either you're going to get a penalty or they're going to get away and it'd be a quick catch in the first down. So when you're playing nickel, your eyes have to be really well. How frustrating is that for you? And frustrating might not be the right word here uh, on inside the Jets, but when you're in that nickel position, when you're lined up inside and the receiver automatically has space before he releases. It, it is what it is. It yeah. comes with the position, so you've got to have good feet because when you're on the corner, when you're at corner, most of the time receiver's on the line. We had nickel receivers back off the line. So I feel like when you play nickel, you have to have the best feet in the secondary. And then just talking about this past week in particular, usually the nickel receiver is, like you said, a quick twitched guy, a little shorter. But sometimes this past weekend, Mike Williams, who's 6'3", is lining up in the slot. How different of an experience is it going up against someone that has a couple inches on you? When I go against a big receiver, I know one of the things they're going to do is try to jump ball or throw like a fade route. Right. But I honestly like guarding big receivers because you can get your hands on them. They're not very quick. You can out-quick them. You know where they're going to go. They only have a couple routes. Whereas if you're guarding somebody that's smaller, he can run the whole route through. Who's the most difficult slot receiver you've ever faced? Is that Edelman? 
I'm going to say curse. I'm not giving anybody any credit. Okay, Jermaine Curse. <laughs> Good answer from Buster Screen here tonight. Um, but the Patriots, how deep are you into film study at this point early in the week? It's just Tuesday. It is Tuesday. I've already watched film. What are you seeing? The Patriots, what they do is they wait till you mess up. So you have to go into the game super disciplined. Like they'll run their same plays, just dink and dunk all the way down the field. And then when you lose your eyes or you have a technique error or you just have that one second of a lack of focus, that's when they hit you with like a screen or a trick play or something like that that gets to you. So when you play the Patriots, you just have to be disciplined. Everybody knows the Patriots, they have a great quarterback. And he makes everybody else around him good. So you have to play to Tom Brady's level to, you know, to Tom Brady's level of focus in order to beat them. So without Julian Edelman this year, what have they been doing inside? They still run their quick routes. Uh, yeah. One thing about the Patriots, you can't really blitz them because they get the ball out so quick. So you're going to blitz somebody and then he's going to dump it to the slot. So Patriots are just doing what they do. They got some different pieces. They got some guys that can take the top off of defense, but they're sticking to what they do. What can you take out of the first matchup between these two teams in week six? Because the Jets' defense was extremely successful against Tom Brady. He only completed 53% of his passes, which is his second lowest output of the season. Yeah. Uh, you had every, a heck every, of a game yourself. I did play well that game. <laughs> two <laughs> takeaways, Buster Screen, in that first almost three. meeting against Should've the New England Patriots. But when you play the Patriots, we have a good team. And I feel like man for a man, like – our team, we match up well with them. So, like I said, it's all about the focus. Like, one thing we struggled with this year is winning in the fourth quarter. So, once this team figures out how to win in the fourth quarter, like, the sky's the limit. So, we have a young team. I feel like we have a young, confident team. Everybody believes in the system. So, we want to go out with the bang with the Patriots. How about you guys defensively? How are you sticking together as a team? Because nobody's pointing a finger after that game against the Chargers. Maybe a less mature team would say, hey, defensively, we did our job. Offensively, you guys didn't do your job. But instead, you guys were pointing the fingers at yourselves and saying, hey, maybe we got to come up with the three takeaways we did against the New Orleans Saints to help our team win. I feel like this year, our locker room is like a brotherhood. So, Offense and defense, we both get along. Sometimes defense might not play well and offense plays well. Sometimes the defense or the offense might play well and defense might play well. But at the end of the day, we're all a team. Like, we all have our families and things like that off the field. But inside that locker room, it's the true family. It's true family field. We all want to support our coach and things like that. So we don't, we don't ever point fingers. This Sunday, you have an opportunity to kind of play spoiler against the Patriots. They're still playing for the number one seed this past weekend playing for spoiler for the Chargers. Do you guys think about that? Or at this point, it's just we're going to go out there, we're going to play for the names on the front and the back and just have fun to close out 2017? We're just going out there playing for ourselves, really. Like, our coach just keeps saying we have to play a full game. I know I keep saying that. But we want to go out there and play four full quarters of focus. Like, that's, like, the number one thing is just focus the whole game. And, yeah, we have a younger team, but – if we can sit there and focus the whole game, I know we have something special. You can get into the queue here because we're going to be taking some calls on Inside the Jets. 1-800-919-ESPN. Eric Allen, Ethan Greenberg, and Jets cornerback Buster Screen here at Vanderbilt's Sports and Spirits. Um, what's different defensively? Because what pops out at me, and I'm in the press box each and every game, between 2017 and 2016, Buster, is I think that there is more energy 
And also, the speed difference is so noticeable. Yeah, we have a lot of packages where there's multiple DBs on the field. Not not dime, but I don't even know what you call it after dime. But we call it the speed package. So, is that seven DBs? It's seven DBs. So, and seven, and, that, and that includes four safeties sometimes. Yeah, right. So seven DBs. You got. I can't even do the rap. Two D linemen. Right. Two linebackers. Yep, we were watching it. So. We do have the speed package. We blitz a lot. I think everybody in our secondary has a sack this year, which is different from most teams. But we are playing a lot faster. A lot of our new talent are DBs. So we've used that to our advantage. What does that then allow you to do with all the speed on the field? It confuses quarterbacks because he sees so many DBs, he don't know who's dropping into coverage. So we can get there just a little bit quicker than what a D lineman or a linebacker would. Justin Burr's playing time is picked up. Of late, because when you guys have gone to sub packages, you've been moving inside. He's been going outside the numbers. How is he coming along? I think Justin is doing a great job. I think the last four games, he's only allowed two catches or something crazy like that. So he's doing a great job. I always thought Justin was a good player. I mean, he, there was a time in the season where, you know, Darrell Roberts got to play sure. a little bit more than him. But just to come in there and, and come back strong was just good to see just because, you know, he's a confident guy. What do you see from him? What's the biggest difference from his rookie year to his second year? He's smarter. I can can say the whole secondary as a whole is smarter just because our coach, he he does a lot of the hard, like a lot of the dirty work of film study and finding out tendencies and things like that. Denard already has it. You guys really enjoy playing for him. Did you yeah. know too much about Denard before he came over from the LA Rams? I knew he had a good secondary, but I said maybe it's just the players. <laughs> yeah, is the reason why the secondary is so good. Right. But him as a coach, he's a good coach. I think he'd be a head coach one day. I give him a lot of credit. He get on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> because it's the I, tough love. That's the tough love. Because he's gonna get on you sometimes. I, res- I respect him. I respect him. A lot. Oh, why have you and Morris Claiborne got along so well? You guys are the two older members of that secondary at 27. <laughs> I would say me and him get along. We're both from the South. Yeah. And we're both laid back type of dudes, mm-hmm. the opposite of a Jamal. <laughs> but we just, we just get along. We sit together every day. I mean, we both got families. We got a lot that's in common. Morris seems to have a different switch. When you talk to him, nice guy, like you said, kind of laid back. But you see it in his eyes. When it's game time, he just goes to a different level. I think it's the LSU switch. Because <laughs> him and Jamal, Jamal already an energetic person. But then when the game comes, it's like energize the bunny. And then with with Mo, I'll say one thing to him. I'll say best DBs in the league. And that's it. I'll just leave it there because he's so focused. So I like playing with them guys. They got good energy. Them two and May. Everybody that's on the field. So, so what, have, what has impressed you most about Jamal Adams, the Jets' first-round pick of 2017, and then Marcus May, the Jets' second-round pick of 2017? The thing I would say that's impressed me most, they both came in like vets. Both of those guys came in. They, they, they didn't miss a beat. And one thing about rookies, when, they, when a rookie goes on the field and he messes up, he continues to mess up. Them guys mess up, they get back up, and then make a big play. So I respect that a lot about him. New Jack City, that's what the secondary has coined itself. Denard, actually. And Denard you, came Denard, up with that yeah, nickname. He did. I asked you that in training camp. But I want to know, what does New Jack City mean to you? How, does the play, how do the players embody what it's supposed to mean? 
It just means we're the baddest people on the field. <laughs> I mean, it's, it goes deeper in that, but we're going to keep that in the room. But okay, yeah, keep that Our in coach the room. always says, like, y'all go out there and be the baddest boys on the field, but different terminology. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no doubt. Well, we are uh, live on ESPN Radio and also streaming on com and Facebook. So Buster Screen using discretion there, and we really appreciate that. Uh, but, but, Bus, how about those guys, though, the way they both play the run? I know – that was the scouting report on Jamal when he came out of LSU. He can play very well inside the box. But he takes pride as far as what he does in the backfield as well. But Marcus May, wow, he can come in there. He can lay some people out himself. Well, Jamal is a player. Our defense, we're a gap defense, so everybody has their own gap. So a lot of times if somebody does jump out their gap, Jamal will save them and make a perfect tackle. But May – I give him the crown on tackling this year because yeah. we put him in a lot of bad positions where he's had to make a one-on-one tackle. And for a rookie, that's very hard to do. But he is a natural-born tackler. Like do you he, think he's the best open field tackler on the New York Jets? Besides me, yes. <laughs> besides Buster Screen. I like that, Bus. Um, Patriots this week, but I want to talk about offseason, not because you're looking ahead, but I thought the listeners might – enjoy hearing this about you you are a diverse guy who has a lot of interest in uh, this off season you started teaching phys ed classes basically Mm -hmm. you became a workout instructor tell us about that yeah i did become a workout instructor um it all goes back to the charity screenway that's the new name for it but uh i started those workouts because most of the time when people have charity events and things like that they just have a big event and ask for donations so I want to give back to people by giving them a workout. We have these lifestyle experience type parties. So that was really my way of showing the people, hey, I want to give you something back for donating. And I enjoy doing it. So that's why. Where, know, can, uh, where can people go online to, let's say, go to one of your classes or one of your events? Because if you follow Buster on Instagram, you see it throughout the season, whether it's Thanksgiving, Halloween, or just a normal Tuesday in whatever month of the season, he's always doing something. So any social media, Screenway, or you can just go to Screenway.com and you can see upcoming events and the type of work that we've done throughout the year. But I can say the city of New York has showed a lot of support. Uh, recently, we donated 237 bikes to East Harlem. We gave over 500 meals on Thanksgiving. It's been a true blessing just how people have, have came in such a short notice of Screenway being built just two years ago, it's just made such how, an impact. How good does that make you feel that you're using your platform now, Buster, to help others in need? It makes me feel good. I always told people I always want to get a big contract. Just bless me with a big contract. But after that, I, I wanted to figure out what my purpose was, and I feel like my purpose is to help people. What's your favorite event that you do? Favorite event? I would say the workouts. I've started these lifestyle experiences lately, which is kind of like a party. But I like working out. <laughs> All right, so tell us about the workouts. You took me through one workout. You can look that up, NewYorkJets.com, bust your screen, Eric <laughs> Allen, if you want to. You can do a Google search or just go to the site. But uh, what is the workout all about? It's a high-intense interval training type of workout, and we kind of mix some football moves in just to make it fun. But you come in there, you work out for 27 to 32 minutes, high-intense workout. You can go at your own speed. And I guarantee you lose at least 500 calories. 
How did uh, How did EA do? When he he did. He did a great job. I'm not gonna lie. Well, we what were your, what were your expectations though when he told you, "Hey, I'm coming in. We're doing the hit workout. You put uh, me through the ringer." I, I did lift a little bit before because, uh, but we, we got there a little bit early because we just set up the camera equipment. So I might have been a little stiff before uh, <laughs> before we started now, the workout. He, EA's a, a fit guy, and I did a couple of drills on the field with him before, so I knew he was athletic. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you that, something. That, that's another video you have to no, look up uh, on NewYorkJets.com. Uh, I've seen that video. People do not have enough respect for NFL players because I went out there on the field with Buster, <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, he's going to take it easy on me. And, oh, my God, he played receiver. And I, <laughs> he took one step, and I went 10 yards that way, and he – Went that way. It was just unbelievable. I didn't, my eyes, <laughs> I, I, I thought my eyesight was good, but he took a step. I was there. He was there. And, you know. So long story short, you did better in the hit workout than you did on the field against Buster. Yes, yes. Buster, again, he'll tell you who is the pound-for-pound champion inside the Jets weight room. Buster screen. Buster screen. <laughs> That's right. And and just for the record, Steve McClendon verified that on Facebook Live when I did something with him. So now we have multiple people saying that Buster is pound for pound the strongest guy do you on ever, the team. Do you ever max out at any point during the off season anymore? I have not maxed out in a while. Yeah. But when I was in college, I had a really Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah, Tennessee Chattanooga. Our strength coach made us lift so much weight. Yeah, so much weight that I feel like I will never be weak ever again. And at that point, you were weighing in what one seventy five, one eighty, maybe. Came into college one hundred and forty eight pounds. One hundred and forty eight pounds. One hundred and forty eight pounds. And how much were you throwing up on the bench? At the combine or just max? No, but yeah, max, max yeah. four hundred five. Four hundred five. A yeah. hundred and fifty pounder. Not at one fifty. Right. When I when I was one eighty, yeah, I got one four hundred five. Yeah, and then squat. That's crazy. About, that is ridiculous. How about max squat? Five-something. I can't remember. Five-something. It was in the fives. It's something crazy. But the most important deal is squatting, right? Yeah, because everybody is. gets caught up in the gym about the bench. It it's about but the legs. It is about the legs. But nowadays, I do a lot of stuff that's just more plyometric and controlled. Right. Just because you got to have those cat-like reflexes to play corner. So that's something you can check out, Screenway. Screenway.com. Yeah, because you'll be doing that in the off-season in New yeah. York City. And you're a guy who really, obviously... Grew up in the South, played with the Browns for a few years. You really enjoy this area, don't you? I do. I do. I enjoy it a lot. The city showed me a lot of love since I've been here. So I would like to continue to be here. Yeah. What's next for the New York Jets after, after Sunday? Obviously going to try to get that victory, pull off an upset of the Patriots, and you think you'll be in that ball game late. But what's next, do you think? What's next is just to attack the offseason. I mean, I know a lot of guys know we could have been a lot better than what we were this year. But I know we have a lot of hungry guys, a lot of hungry coaches. We got a lot to prove. So just going into the offseason, we're going to attack it and have a better offseason than last year. Buster Screen, thank you so much for joining us here on Inside Thanks, the Jets. And we'll come right back. 800-919-ESPN. We'll take some of your calls. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Ethan Greenberg here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Nice spot there with Buster Screen Greens. Um, I talked to Todd Bowles about it last week before the Chargers game, and he said he's been one of our better players over the past three or four weeks. I mean, you look at his stats from weeks 12 to 15, 12 tackles, five pass defenses, 
a forced fumble, which he then recovered down in New Orleans, and no penalties, really a stretch that Buster played his best football of 2017. Yeah, and I think it's been his best stretch of football as a New York Jet. He's in his third year here with the Jets. We're going to be taking some calls here on Inside the Jets. 1-800-919-ESPN. Um, let's go to Ray right now. Ray S., you're on the line. Oh, Ray, Ray dropped off. Okay. So That's folks, okay, Ray. That's so, all right. So Go back. 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, when I look back to the Jets' last game against the Chargers, Bilal Paul stands out. 145 yards on the ground for Paul, and now he's got a season career high in terms of rush yards and touchdowns, and he also has become the first back in New York Jets history with three carries of at least 50 yards, Greens. And this past weekend, he did so because of a 57-yard touchdown run that got the Jets on the board, which I have to say, my favorite part about the whole run, one, I love the play design with an outside toss after JoJo Natson comes across, a little decoy there. How about Jonathan Harrison running down the sideline, paving the way for Powell, and then he takes out two guys to try to tackle Powell from behind him. Listen, how about the whole offensive line, uh, what they did against the Chargers, because the Jets' depth was tested. Jonathan Harrison starting in place of Wesley Johnson. At right guard, you had Dakota, Dakota Dozier filling in for Brian Winters, and then finally at right tackle, you had Brent Quale filling in for Brandon Shell, and the Jets did a nice job on Sunday, controlling the line of scrimmage. They did that against the New Orleans Saints, and they'll have an opportunity to do that again this week against a New England defense who plays a bend but don't break philosophy, meaning they give up a lot of yards. They don't tend to give up a lot of points. The Patriots' defense is seventh in the league in scoring, but they're 29th overall. They, average, they allow 4.8 yards a carry on the ground. And just looking at this Jets rushing game, over the past two weeks, they're averaging 160 yards and five and a half yards per carry. So really, between Bilal Powell, I know he's been the main guy the past couple weeks, but when you factor in Matt Forte and Elijah McGuire, they're all doing very well in the backfield in this short amount of time. And they'll have another opportunity this weekend because the Patriots rush defense, it's not all that. Robbie Anderson is 61 yards shy of 1,000. Who would have thought that coming into the 2017 season? He's really blossomed into a complete receiver. He's one of the guys that last season we were pointing to because he was undrafted. He made the team. You're giving it props. He played well throughout the regular season. And then this season he really took it up a notch, especially when you factor in the loss of Quincy Anunwa in training camp during the green and white scrimmage. And then no one really, I think externally the narrative was the wide receiving core would be the weak link of the offense. And sure. In turn, it turned out to be one of the strengths when the Jets traded for Jermaine Curse. He came in, he's had a career year, as has Robbie Anderson. Jermaine Curse, 60 catches, 751 yards. He's got five receiving touchdowns. The other thing to think of is, hey, Quincy Anunwa gets healthy. After the surgery to the neck, and he's in good shape, he comes back. Chad Hansen's been flashing. You've got our Darius Stewart here. Uh, this Jets receiving unit uh, has a lot of potential. And they're young. It's, if you're a Jets fan, I think you have to be encouraged from what you've seen from this group. And then you factor in the three running backs that we just mentioned. They're all options out of the backfield, too, and they're kind of a safety blanket for 
Bryce Petty and before that, Josh McCown. And then you look at Austin Safarian Jenkins, who has a career high in receptions this season. And he's been one of the off-season top stories, I'd say, because he was down 30 pounds. He revamped his life, the way he goes about his business. And you could see it on early. I know his production has kind of waned over the past couple weeks, but he attacks every day like it's his last. And he's so happy to be a part of this organization and you can really tell whenever you speak to him 800-919 ESPN let's try the phone lines one more time is Donald from New Jersey Donald how are you yeah how are you guys doing great yeah listen I'm just calling because I know you've talked about it at some point I don't know about tonight you know all this uh, uh, non-definitive nobody's been definitive about uh, getting uh, balls back next year and uh, I definitely think he should be back, you know, given the fact uh, all you had to do was watch Petty throw the ball yesterday. Um, but I was wondering if you had heard anything uh, one way or another or, uh, or what your guys' sense was or opinion was. Yeah, thanks for the call, Donald. I'll just say here is that uh, the Jets are going to play out the season here. They're going to finish up the regular season against the Patriots, and then you can anticipate you're going to hear from Jets ownership within the next week or two, like it happens every year. Greens are on here, and you know Christopher Johnson, the acting owner of the New York Jets. And Todd Bowles is not one to talk about his job, no. and I think that's very clear if you ever tune into a press conference, because whatever question comes regarding his future, he says, you know what, I'm not here to talk about my job, I'm here to coach football. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, he's got to prepare his guys to play on Sunday. But with that being said, Donald, I would agree with you that I think Todd Bowles has had a very good year coaching, because when you look at this team, Bob and touched on this on the Michael K. Show prior to Inside the Jets here. 2015, the Jets won 10 games in Todd Bowles' first season. In 2016, they did not blow it up, per se. They went for it again with the veterans, okay? Then players started getting injured. You started losing ball games. Then you make a total transformation of the roster. It begins in the offseason after 2016 when you go 5-11. and 11. And we've seen a lot of bright spots here this year. I think Todd Bowles has done a lot of good things in 2017. We will hear from Christopher Johnson in the next week or two. Moving on, let's go to Ryan in Bayville. Ryan, you're on there. Yeah, I was just wondering. I'm, pretty, you know, I'm happy with the direction we're going in. I think that you know, Bowles has done a pretty good job building the team and McCagney building the team with a lot of youth speed getting better. I think we have to take the leap of faith kind of like the Eagles did and hope we get it right with the QB because I feel if we get the QB, I think we're right there and we could take over the division. All right, Ryan, thanks for your call. L- listen, I'll tell you what, and that's what everybody's searching in the National Football League for is the long-term answer at quarterback. We'll have to find out where the Jets are as far as draft Mm -hmm. order is concerned. Um, Josh McCown played very well for this team, starting 13 games. Bryce Petty, he's had his ups and downs in his first two starts here. A lot of off-season decisions to be made for the organization moving forward. But, yes, every team wants to have that long-term answer quarterback greens. And the Jets are no different. They're playing against a team in New England who's had – the long-term answer, quarterback, for close to 20 years now. Well, when you look at any free agent or draft opportunity that you have to draft anyone or sign anyone at a position that 
you may want is that, so let's talk about quarterback here for a second, is that your free agent options this season are, I would say, somewhat limited if you're talking about long-term. Because the main guy that you think of is Kirk Cousins. He's in his late 20s. And then you look at maybe someone like Alex Smith, but he's 34 years old. So then you look at the draft and how much, first of all, let's say the Jets are eighth or seventh in in the draft. We're going to get into this in the final segment. That's a tease for you. I'll dive into it a little bit, and then we'll touch on it in the final segment. But here's the thing is that if you have to trade up, how much of your future are you willing to mortgage to get up and get the guy that you think might be the future and the franchise quarterback that your team well, needs? Well, we're going to discuss uh, draft here. There's a teaser uh, for you uh, yeah, right there. We'll, we'll discuss draft a little bit in our next segment a little bit because I want to talk about where the Jets currently stand. I also want to talk about free agency a little bit. we got plenty to get to. 1-800-919-ESPN. We'll be right back from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. You're listening to Inside the Jets. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Ethan Greenberg here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park. Players for 2018 Jets House have just been announced, including Demario Davis, Marcus May, Buster Scream, Muhammad Wilkerson. Join current players and Jets legends on January 27th and 28th at Spin New York, presented by Green Giant. Tickets are on sale now. For more information, visit NewYorkJets.com slash Jets House. By the way, Spin New York, very cool, especially if you like to play ping pong. <laughs> I, I participated in Jets House last year, did a number of uh, Q&As with some players, with some legends, had a great time, Greens. Uh, you what's, were, your pay, you, what's your ping pong game like? Uh, I think I'm solid. Have we played yet? We have not played yet, but it, yeah. it's going to be an off-season priority. Okay, we will do that. And uh, Chef Marcus at the Complex at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center, he is is an avid ping-pong oh, player mm-hmm. in the offseason. We love Marcus very much, but I'm going to have to take everybody down and, gra- <laughs> and, and grab the belt, Greens. Uh, yeah, okay. Jets, Patriots, right. this week, uh, we touched upon it before. Jets 5-10, and 10, uh, just 1-6 and six on the road this year. They've been a different team at home. Uh, it'd be nice to go out with a good showing at Gillette Stadium against a team most people think is the AFC favorite to return to the Super Bowl. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head in that you want to close out the season at least being competitive, especially against a division team, a very talented team, a team that is atop the NFL in yards per game. I mean, the Patriots average about 400 yards. Tom Brady, you know the story there. Rob Gronkowski, Brandon Cooks. The Patriots have a very good offense. There's no doubt and, about and it. De- and Deion Lewis just had a career yep. game against the Buffalo He's having Bills. a career year in general. Yep. I mean, he's, ha- he's had 800-plus yards on the ground. That's 500 more than his second career high. Right, and you mentioned Cooks, him and Gronkowski. Gronkowski had an unbelievable one-handed touchdown reception against the Buffalo Bills. They both have 1,000 yards receiving. Of course, Brady over 4,000 yards passing. But... Tom hasn't been so terrific lately, as you told me. Five consecutive <laughs> games with interceptions. So he has some First time since 2002 that yep, that's happened. Yep. So for the Jets to be in a position where they got a chance to make this a one-possession one possession game or so, they need a couple takeaways. Right, but here's the thing. If you're a Jets fan and you're looking for silver lining or a glimpse of hope or whatever you want to call it, in week six when the Patriots came here to MetLife Stadium – Tom Brady, I said this before, only completed 53% of his passes. That's the second lowest of the season for him. The first was week one. He only completed 44% of his passes. But the Jets secondary against the league's premier quarterbacks has played 
very well. You look at Matt Ryan, 62%. Cam Newton, 39%. That was a season low. And then just this past weekend, Phillip Rivers only what? completed 55% of his passes, right. which is his second lowest of the season. However, these have all been at home. Well, you have to be very encouraged by the play of the Jets secondary this year. And what Buster Screen talks about those young safeties, you have to be awfully excited about Marcus May and Jamal Adams patrolling that backfield for years to come. We'll have to see what happens with Morris Claiborne. He played well in his first year. He's set to become a free agent. We'll have to see if the Jets re-up him or not. Let's take a couple more calls here on Inside the Jets, and let's go to Huntington and where Eaton is on the line. Hey, what's going on? My name is Aton from Huntington. I want to say I think Lamar Jackson will end up being the best quarterback in this year's class. What do you think? Wow, thanks for the call, Dayton. That, that might be a hot take because Lamar Jackson is one of those interesting prospects where, I, well, for me personally, I think it's a little too early to evaluate someone like Lamar Jackson because... Remember, he, they have to declare by exactly, January 15th. He has to declare. And then what you're really looking at is the combine in February slash early March. Then you're looking at his pro day to see maybe Lamar Jackson wants to play something else. Maybe he was advised to play something like wide receiver. I don't think that's the case, but it's possible. Yes, it might be a little too early to talk about Lamar Jackson, but he's a fantastic athlete. We know, obviously, he can tuck it and run. He's got dynamic athletic ability. For me, the question about Lamar Jackson, whether he comes out this year or next year, is what is his accuracy? You have to be an accurate quarterback in the National Football League. Let's keep on moving on and go to Andre in Jersey City. Dre. Andre, going once. Hello? Going. Hello? You there? Andre, yeah, you're yeah, on. Here. Okay. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Um, I, got a question. I got a question for you. Can you see the Jets um, bypassing a quarterback in the first round and going with a running back instead if they're able to get someone like Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins? Personally, I, don't, I, don't I see if enough you... in the running game. Well, Andre, if you're Thanks. signing someone like Thanks Kirk call, Cousins, Andre. thank you for the call. If you're signing someone like Kirk Cousins, then, yeah, I could absolutely see the Jets trying to get a running back. When you look at the prospects, I mean, the one that sticks out is Saquon Barkley out of Penn State. And if he's available wherever the Jets are picking, I don't see how that couldn't be out of the equation just because of his talent. And not to mention that in your hypothetical situation, the Jets already locked up what they believe to be an answer at quarterback, at least for 2018. You, you really have to build through the draft. And the reason why the Jets haven't made the playoffs for seven consecutive years, if you go back and you go back to Vernon Colston, 2008, Mark Sanchez, 2009, Kyle Wilson, 2010, um, Quentin Culp was 2012, D. Milner, 2013, Calvin Pryor, 2014, those are not draft picks of this regime. I want to say that right now. You can't charge Mike McKagan and Todd Bowles with anything that happened before they got here, but you have to build through the draft. And what Mike McKagan has done over the last three years is his first draft pick was Leonard Williams, number six overall in 2015. Most recently, 2017, Jamal Adams, number six overall and then a guy who I think is taking steps in his second professional season, that's Darren Lee, mm-hmm. inside linebacker. Those are guys who are part of your foundation. So if you're a Jets fan, you can't look back and say, well, what about 2008? What about 2010? No. 
You have to look at Mike McCagnan and Ty Bowles for the decisions they have made while they've been here. And frankly, Mike McCagnan has hit on a number of draft picks. We got a lot more to come. We got a lot more to get to, but we got to catch a break. We'll be right back on Inside the Jets. 1-800-919-ESPN. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Ethan Greenberg here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park. Uh, fantasy FanDuel analysis brought to you by FanDuel. Have all the fantasy that football has to offer. Be sports rich. Do you have any fantasy pointers for this weekend? Well, if you're going by statistics, the Patriots defense is not very good. 29th in total defense, 29th against the pass, 26th against the rush. So if you have Robbie Anderson, maybe you turn to someone like him because he's 61 yards shy of breaking 1,000 yards. So maybe that's on his mind. And not only that, but the Jets are averaging 160 yards on the ground. But the problem remains over the, last, the same over the, over the, la- last, over the last two, two weeks. Let's clarify that because that would be I, a great number over I 16 know. I, games. I thought I clarified it before. Thank you for doing it for me again. But here's okay. the thing. If you know who's going to have the hot hand, you got to go with him. It's just a question of who it's going to be. And last week, it was Bilal Powell. Yeah, a B Paul. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know what Bill Powell, uh, Belichick likes to do to is – Take away your best weapon. So, uh, you know, I, wouldn't, I would anticipate the Patriots trying to load the box and forcing Bryce Petty to beat them. Uh, Bryce Petty, this means so much to him. You can see that in the postgame news conference after the Jets were able to only muster seven points against the Chargers, and he just thought there were a number of throws that he left out there on the field. And he's a guy who's working, he's working his butt off to get this right. And uh, he'll have another opportunity to showcase his skills against the Patriots. The thing what I liked in what Todd Bowl said is that, look, it's only his second game starting. He has to work through these things. He didn't play the first 14 weeks of the season, and then he's thrown into the thick of it. So now that he has this experience, and remember, this is a different offense than last season. Yep. So it's really his first game experience in John Morton's system in the regular season. So he does need to work out these kinks. And he said that he knows he, he's, seen, he, he's seen the field a lot seen better. Seen the field well. The, everything that he talks about is footwork. Yeah. And, and when we hear that, we're like, well, what do you really mean by that? It's all timing. Mm-hmm. Playing quarterback, being successful at this level, the National Football League level, has as much to do with your feet than anything. It's the timing of things. Your feet tell you where to go. You're here with the first progression. You're here with the second. You're here with the third. It's all a timing game, and right now, Bryce has to get that down. The one play that really sticks out to me from Sunday's game in regards to timing is Austin Safarian Jenkins on a play-action pass starts. He he lines up next to Kelvin Beecham, then he comes out to the sideline and shoots up, and Bryce Petty just missed him. He would have had at least probably a 20-yard game. Yeah, and then the fourth and seven, Jets are down 14-7 to there late in the fourth quarter, still in the ballgame, even though the offense really scuffled throughout that ballgame, and Bryce Petty thought that he should have had a back shoulder touchdown to the aforementioned Robbie Anderson. How about time? We got time for a couple quick calls here. Let's go to James and Elizabeth. James, how are you tonight? Hello? Hey, James, you're on. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, The issue that I wanted to address has been on my heart season after season, and I'm calling this the curse of the offensive coordinator. The Jets, the only time the Jets were doing something right close to right is when we had Rex Ryan 
and Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator. The minute that they let this guy go, Sanchez, Sanchez was close to being respectable, and then he completely fell apart, and every other quarterback after that was cur- cursed and doomed. Oh, and okay. Like, Thanks and, for the call, I, James. Ha- James, happy holidays. Listen, uh, what I will tell you, what I will tell you about the Jets' offensive coordinator is John Morton has had a fantastic season. He came in here with Josh McCown, a guy 38 years old, 10th NFL team, 15th year, and people weren't expecting much, frankly. 67% passer, 23 touchdowns, uh, provided a great presence in the locker room, and I love the way that Morton spreads the ball around. He also doesn't go far away from the running game. Um, and what he's done with this personnel, guys like Robbie Anderson, his development, and Jermaine Curse coming in here nine days before the regular season, and Austin Safarian Jenkins uh-huh. having a career high in terms of receptions, and Bilal Powell having a career year. John Morton was a good hire. I think the offense is in good hands. Yeah. They've got to have some personnel upgrades that's going to happen in time. And also, what when is- you speak to everyone on the team, is the thing that sticks out is John Morton's system is extremely complex. The plays are sentences, paragraphs long. So it'll take some time to fully implement the system. But you talked about it as Jermaine Curse comes here nine days before the Jets head up to Orchard Park and take on the Bills in week one. And now he's having a career year. And I don't think a lot of fans expected that kind of production from him, from Robbie Anderson, etc. So I think that John Morton's been a good hire and done a great job this year. Well, we've had a heck of a time here tonight at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. And especially the Buster Screen. Also, Brittany and Justin, thank you so much on the production end.